Coming today on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung. If you want to start to shift the dynamic, if you want to start to change how things are going to be, you have to start incrementally shifting so that you're now actually changing the power dynamic. And that's what you have to start doing. So the big questions are these. How can we navigate and negotiate every situation in our lives, in our career, in our businesses, in our relationships, and even with ourselves for our own self-worth? In other words, what if you could win every time and have no losers? Let's face it, we're not negotiating just to buy a car or for a pay raise. We are negotiating for living in every aspect of our lives. How can we do that powerfully, successfully, and victoriously? Those are the questions, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Rebecca Song, and welcome to the time where you negotiate your best life. Now, the recovery. How do you find power over a narcissist? This is why I do what I do. And I'm telling you, as your guide, I, you know, I wrote the book, How to Slay the Bully, How to Negotiate with a Narcissist and Win. And I'm here to help you reclaim your power. So if you're new here, make sure you subscribe to this channel to stay updated on strategies and techniques so that you can handle narcissists in your world. I know the heartbreak. I know that you have this desire to find strength against narcissists in your life. And let me tell you, recognizing that need to change that dynamic is that first crucial step because you're changing a dynamic. You're literally shifting that whole thing. You're you're course correcting. You are completely course correcting. You're going from where you are now, which is feeling powerless, feeling hopeless, feeling like you are at the effect of that narcissist in your life, feeling like you don't know where you want to go, like maybe like you're going crazy, like you're walking on eggshells. You want to find that strength from deep within you. You know you were born for more. You know that there is a purpose deep within you. Just the fact that you're here, just the fact that you found this video, just the fact that you know you're you got on the internet and you or YouTube and you started to go, mm, I need to find something, and you you stumbled here. That in and of itself tells me that you are starting to find that power, just recognizing it. So start to see them as almost like a toddler having a tantrum on the floor. So, you know, part of my slay methodology is strategy, strategy, leverage, anticipate, and you. That's what slay stands for. But part of that strategy is taking those action steps. Just step one, don't run. And just taking that first baby step is looking at them as if they are a, a, a toddler having a tantrum on the floor. All right. Just you know, observing and observe, don't absorb, observe, don't absorb. And by observing and not absorbing, you're just 
looking at them. And you know what? You can put this invisible boundary down around you. It's just like, it's a shield that comes down around you that makes you like there's Teflon on you. So now it's like you're Superman with the bullets that come off of you or Wonder Woman with the bullets on your bracelet and nothing affects you anymore. So that's really the first crucial step. So you can start to recognize those patterns and you're starting to take control. So you can start to use words like, I can see that you are upset. I can see that you are angry. So you can start to almost look at them and see that their triggers are their responsibility. Just like your triggers are your responsibility. Their triggers are not are, are to be managed by them. And so when you have conversations like, you know, you make me feel or they make you feel, you know, everybody in that moment that somebody says something, there is a gap that you can recognize where there's a choice. And in that choice, there lies a moment where you can say, you know what? I'm not taking this time to go, I'm not going to be affected by you because I'm going to see you as a toddler having a tantrum. It's not me. I'm not going to take this personally. All right. So just see that that's what it is. Hurt people hurt people. All right. So just start to see them as they're having their moment. So step one, don't run. And just when you can start to see that they're thriving on that control, they're thriving on that attention, they're thriving when they cause reactions, and then you can start to flip that script. Then you can start to turn around. And then you can start to create those firm boundaries and start to demand respect for yourself. And start to say, I'm recognizing that I can have this conversation later when you've calmed down. This approach is not working for me. Or I agree with you that we're not going to agree. I can see that you're upset. You know, you can say things like this. I hear you. I, I see you. No, that's an interesting perspective. You know, just staying emotionally detached. Pretend like you're reporting the news. And, you know, I always say never jade, even though I love jade, but you don't jade. Never justify, argue, defend, or explain. You don't get down in those weeds with them, right? So you just set those firm boundaries you demand respect. Now I have a crucial tool for you. If you truly want to get under the skin of a narcissist, I've curated a really great list. It's a list called Disarm the Narc Phrases, and they're powerful tools for disarming narcissists. It stops them in their tracks. It gives you the upper hand. So to get your hands on this valuable resource, just go to the link disarmthenarc.com. All right, so just go there. It's totally free. All right, so just remember to stop and put that shield 
and just, you know, step one, don't run. Step two, you're making that U-turn. Step three is when you get to break free. So that first baby step, that first baby step is that boundary where you demand respect. You see them as a toddler having a tantrum on the floor. And then you start to use phrases like, I can see that you're upset. That's great feedback. It's an interesting perspective. We can have this conversation when you can be calm. I agree with you that we're never going to agree, or I agree with you that whatever, but you're not really agreeing to anything. Just phrases like that. We can have this conversation when you are calm and then never jade, never justify, argue, defend, or explain. Pretend like you're reporting the news Put that invisible shield down. You are now taking control of the conversation. You're taking control of that conversation, right? So turn things around. And then, you know, if you do want to have a conversation with them later, then, you know, I always say making a plan, Stan. Making a plan, Stan. So when you go to have a conversation with them later, make sure that you have an agenda, a time frame, a, a, a scope. And when it goes beyond that scope, you say, nope, this is what we're talking about. You know, don't let them talk about 50 other issues or something that happened 10 years ago or whatever. No, we're talking about this today. And then you have a time limit. You know, you don't want them to be extending it all over the place. So when it goes beyond that time limit, you just say, oh, Sorry, gotta go, gotta go, and and that's when you go. Oh, I would just, I would love to talk to you so much more, but unfortunately, gotta go. So that's what you do to take control over a narcissist. And remember, slayers, knowledge is power, and you're already finding your power by being here. Okay, so number one, I'm going to give you eight ways to become powerful and deadly against narcissists. So you're going to want to make sure that you stay all the way till the end, eight ways. And number one, recognize the narcissist traits, recognize their behavior, know their triggers, and that way you will know how to provoke them. You're going to know how to become powerful against them. You're going to know exactly what they're going to be doing. And once you can see it, you can see it coming. And that way you will understand how they're going to be behaving. That is one of the best ways that you can become deadly against narcissists. Number two, number two is to be confident in your own self-worth and your own abilities. They absolutely hate that. That's actually one of the best ways to become deadly against narcissists is being confident in your own self-worth and your own abilities. That's number two. Number three is assert yourself when needed and make sure that they know 
that you are not somebody who will be walked over or used by others. That is so, so, so important. And let me tell you something that is going on with narcissists. You understand that there are three different phases basically to a narcissistic relationship. It's that love bombing, devaluing, and then discarding. And during that love bombing phase, and this is whether it's a personal relationship or a business relationship. And I actually in my life had to deal with a narcissist in a business relationship. And so even if you're dealing with them in a business relationship, it's still the same kind of a thing. Sometimes that love bombing phase is also called the idealization phase. And during that phase, they are actually conditioning you. They're setting you up. They're looking to see if you're going to be a good form of what they call narcissistic supply or what is called narcissistic supply. They want to see if they're going to be able to kind of get away with their behavior. They're conditioning you. They're looking to see how you're going to respond when they start devaluing you, when they start ghosting you, when they start acting in a certain way, when those red flags start popping up and you start to kind of go, well, you know, I don't want to rock the boat. I'm going to go along to get along. I don't know if I should say anything. A lot of times it's just so subtle you're, and you're just not sure what's going on here. You, a lot of times are an empathic person or you're a good person. You know, they look for people that are that are good people who are not quite sure. And, you know, and a lot of times it's encased in a lot of great other things. So you're like, well, there's a lot of other good behavior that's kind of good. So you're not really sure. And so what happens is you've been conditioned. And so now you have to start asserting yourself. If you want to start to shift the dynamic, if you want to start to change how things are going to be, you have to start incrementally shifting so that you're now actually changing the power dynamic. And that's what you have to start doing. So number three is asserting yourself when needed. And now you're actually no longer allowing them to walk over you. And it's actually gonna, it's gonna start to feel uncomfortable for you because you're not used to it. If you've been a victim of a narcissist, it's you know, you get nervous about how they're going to react. And, and they will react because narcissists, you know, they'll start to have their tantrums. But, you know, you just have to kind of get through that phase. It's almost like having a two year old, you know, where you have to kind of get through that phase where they will react. And, and you just have to understand that that's what they're going to do. So that's number three. And number four is sort of closely related. So number four is establishing boundaries with the narcissist and including setting clear rules for. What is going to be acceptable behavior? What's going to be tolerated? And avoid giving in to their demands and being okay with understanding that, you know, it may end up getting worse and that's okay because it, it will probably get worse before it gets better, but it will end up getting better. And understand that this is the only way to get a narcissist to respect you. And I do have a whole video on much more about that. And definitely check out my video. It's actually called This Is The Only Way To Make A Narcissist To Respect You. Definitely check that out. The next one is stay strong. Stay strong, especially if you are feeling low or vulnerable. Remind yourself that all the good qualities about yourself, you know, just stay strong. 
Did you know that Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors and take 20,000 breaths a day? But according to the EPA, it's two to five times more polluted than outdoor air, and it's sometimes up to 100 times more polluted. I know for us and our family, our family has struggled with allergies to dust mites and mold and all sorts of things. And that's why we have loved using an air purifier and air doctor has been amazing for us. And it has captured the attention of media outlets such as CNN, Money, ABC, and more. And it filters out 99.9% of dangerous contaminants such as allergens and pollen and pet dander and all sorts of bacteria and viruses so that your lungs don't have to. And it's super quiet and much more quiet than other ordinary air purifiers. Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. So head to airdoctorpro.com and use your promo code your best life. And depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to $300 off. Exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use the promo code your best life. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store from accepting payments to managing inventory. Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive your store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or Shopify's POS Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bestlife, all lowercase. Go to Shopify. Dot com slash best life to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash best life. The next one is know that you deserve better. Know that you deserve better than a relationship with a narcissist. All right. Number seven is keep your distance. Keep your distance because they will start to hoover you. They will start to come back. They're going to start to you know, try to test you to see if you're going to be weak. They're going to try to see if maybe there's some holes in your boundaries. They're going to see if maybe you are going to allow them to come back in some way or that, you know, maybe that there's some 
way that they can come back and get some more supply out of you. And so you really, really have to make sure that you're going to let them know that no, you are distancing yourself as much as possible. And number eight is just remember who it is that you are dealing with. Remember, they are not going to change. Remember that you are not going to get closure from this situation. You are not going to be able to get them to understand your position. You are never going to be able to get them to acknowledge anything that you ever did. I mean, that was one of the hardest things for me. I had a business situation with a narcissist. I gave and gave and gave and gave. And I really thought that I would be able to have some sort of closure and that I would be able to have some sort of at least cordial relationship going forward. And I really, really worked hard on trying to make sure that things would be as good as possible, even giving as much as I possibly could. And no matter what you do, no matter how much you try, they just aren't ever going to be able to do that. You know, you're dealing with a person who is just inherently a broken person. And, and yes, you can have empathy for that person, but that doesn't mean that you can fix them. That doesn't mean that you're going to have closure. That doesn't mean that you can do anything for them other than namaste and walk away. You know, wish them well, walk away. You can heal yourself. You can thank them for the gift of showing you who they really are and go and find yourself somebody who is whole and complete and deserves you and deserves your time. So let's talk about sneaky secrets that you can use in any negotiation, but especially against narcissists. And what I say is, if you can negotiate against narcissists, you can negotiate against anyone. And the bottom line is, when you're negotiating, all people want to feel like they've come away with some value. The thing is, no one's going to settle for their worst day. All people want to feel seen, heard, and acknowledged. And that's why my book, Negotiate Like You Matter, is called Negotiate Like You Matter. And matter is actually the acronym for my methodology in that book. And M stands for my value is defined by me because you and you alone define your value. And value can be internal or external, meaning that you have internal value, which is whole and complete and fixed. You know, we are all valuable as human beings. And then there's the external value, which is kind of defined by the market and all that sort of thing, you know, based on your skills and how much experience you have and all that sort of thing. But as human beings, we are all intrinsically valuable. But there are certain sneaky negotiation secrets that we can use to kind of win any negotiation based on just how you approach a negotiation so that everybody feels like they're getting somewhere. Because if you want to get somewhere, you want to make sure that everybody is being acknowledged. So just 
thinking of it from that perspective, and especially when you're dealing with narcissists, because remember, they don't have any internal sense of value. They don't have that internal feeling that they have. They're trying to constantly layer it from the external. So you got to think about that as well. All right. So number one, number one is start with areas where you might agree and then work toward those more contested areas, the ones that are more hotly contested. And and the reason why you do that is because that way you feel like you're you've got some common ground. That way you feel like you're building some momentum, like you're getting somewhere. Okay, you know, we we've already agreed on these things. Look, you know, burn the bridge already. Why throw the whole thing away? Look, look at how much we've We've already gained a lot of times. Like it's oh wow, we 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 we've already agreed on ninety nine percent of everything. It's just these last couple of things, you know. Why why blow the whole deal on just these last couple of things? So you pretty much can like wrap it up because you you've agreed on most everything else. So you start with areas of agreement, then you work up toward the more hotly contested. Areas. Okay. Because that way you, you feel like you've gained a lot of ground. Right. So that's number one. Number two is you let the other person start with the first offer. Sometimes that's a way of letting them feel like they've got some control, especially when you're dealing with narcissists or you're dealing with somebody who is a more toxic or more volatile personality. It gives them some feeling like they got somewhere right out of the gate. And a lot of times, actually, it helps you because you get to see where they're coming from. You get to see what's most important to them. So you get to see where their cards are. It educates you. Honestly, it it helps you. So let the other person start with the first offer. So that's number two. Let the other person start with the first offer. Let them have some control right out of the gate. That's number two. Number three is start with a whole lot more than you actually want. Now, this is kind of a tricky one though, because you also don't want to start with so much more that the other person goes, I'm out of here. That's ridiculous. If it's so offensive that the other person just thinks they're just wasting my time and they they just are out of there, then you've totally blown the deal. So you have to be careful about how much a lot more is. I mean, obviously you want to ask for more than what you want, especially because sometimes people really do have to be beat up by the process. I think this is tough for people sometimes. You know, they think, well, I'm just going to be reasonable right out of the gate. I I just want to be done with this thing. Let me just show them that I'm being reasonable. Let me just show them that I'm giving up all this. And, and if I give up all of this right away, they're going to see how much I'm giving up. They're going to see how reasonable I am. And a lot of times, if you're dealing with a narcissist, they just take, take, take. And, and that just gets taken. And they don't acknowledge that. And they just want you know, to keep going with that. And and that just got gets shoved to the side and not even acknowledged at all. And you you end up feeling frustrated and taken advantage of. I would just be very, very careful about that. I do have another whole video on psychological tricks to win any negotiation, especially against narcissists. And I would definitely check out my video on that. Number four 
is throw them off the scent of what you actually want. And especially with narcissists, because if you tell them what you actually want, they will definitely go directly for that. And especially just to get back at you. And again, you know, check out my video on the psychological tricks to win any negotiation. So be careful about that. You know, the bottom line is sometimes you just have to take your ego out of it, you know, because they do just want to get back at you. And the thing is, you just want to get to a resolution. You just want to get to yes. If you are a reasonable person, narcissists just want to jerk you around. They don't necessarily want to just get to yes. They just want to continue to manipulate you and see you squirm. If you're a reasonable person, you just want to get to yes. You just want to get this thing done. You just want to get to where you want to go. You just want to get to your goal. Winning is the the goal, right? Or, Or get to your wherever it is you want to go so that you can move on with your life, right? So you want to get to yes. Okay. And the last thing is mirror their emotional body language so that they feel seen, heard, and valued. You know, if they're feeling warm and and they're they're kind of on the table and down like this and listening to you, you can do that too. If they're back like this and up and this way, you can do that too. Because when when you kind of act the same way as somebody else and talking sort of similar to somebody else, they can feel that. They can psychologically feel that. And people want to be with people that are like them. And they feel more comfortable with people that are like them. And so when you're mirroring people's emotions and their body language, then they subliminally and psychologically feel more comfortable. And they actually start to feel more like, oh, you know, I feel like we're in agreement. I feel comfortable with this person. And they feel seen, they feel heard, they feel acknowledged, they feel valued, and they feel more comfortable in coming to a resolution and agreement with you, which is what it is that you want. And remember, of course, if you do come to an agreement to get it in writing, some kind of a writing, some kind of way of documenting that deal, super, super important. So that's what I got for you, sneaky negotiation secrets that you can use to win any negotiation. So let's talk about how to have a powerful mindset against narcissists. Because honestly, when you're negotiating with them or when you're dealing with them or managing them or trying to deal with any kind of difficult personalities, that's like the most difficult thing. You know, I get a lot of correspondence from people and some of the most satisfying correspondence that I get from people is when people are like, okay, I won my negotiation. I got the results that I wanted. But the most surprising thing that happened to me is that my fear disappeared. But that's actually the most important thing that happens because you cannot get the results you want. You cannot manage difficult people or toxic personalities without that. And that that's actually the thing that has to you have to lead with because they smell blood in the water. 
And that that's why they know that they can kind of target you and know that they can control you because they look for people who are empaths. They look for people who are kind of the bleeding hearts, who have some sort of, you know, wounds themselves, who have some sort of, you know, really want to help people who really feel like I can save you, I can um, help you. And, and to them, that doesn't mean, oh, I can help you, I can save you, I can... To them, that means, ooh, sap. To them, that means, mm, I can take advantage of you. You think, oh, they're going to appreciate me. They're, they're going to, wow, this person saved me. You know, they're going to love me for it. They're, they're going to see all that I did for them. That ain't going to happen. It's going to end up being a black hole. You're going to end up feeling um, used. You're going to end up feeling abused. It's going to end up being this cycle where you're going to give, give, give. They're, they're going to take, take, take. And it's going to keep going, going, going. And here's like the the, the really kind of thing that's um, also sort of ironic is like a lot of times people are like, I'm afraid to like become strong against the narcissist because I'm afraid of the backlash. I'm afraid of the things that they're going to do to me. I'm afraid of like what's going to happen because they're going to be worse. Well, yeah, they probably will be worse initially because, you know, you've conditioned them, they've conditioned you, you've kind of conditioned each other in a lot of ways. I mean, a lot of times you have a long history with each other and that you've both kind of created a conditioning of each other. I mean, you've both sort of taught each other what you will tolerate or how the relationship is going to go. And there has been some expectations that have been set on both sides as a result. And so creating a powerful mindset means you're also going to have to create some new boundaries, new goals, new way of thinking for yourself as well. So, all right. So number five, I'm going to kind of work backwards with your secrets here. Five secrets to having a powerful mindset against narcissists. So that's kind of like my preface to the whole thing here. But let's let's work backwards with our secrets. So number five, no, number five is start expecting them to behave like narcissists. I know that sounds easy, but it's not all that easy sometimes. I mean, you you can still end up in the trap of like, can you believe they did this? I can't believe they did that. Oh my gosh. I mean, I remember having this conversation with a client one time where she had this huge situation with her soon-to-be ex in the parking lot of the school. And it was like eight o'clock, eight thirty, and she she calls me at my office, and she was like, "Can you believe he did this right in front of the students, in front of the teachers? Everybody was there." And I remember saying to my to her because she kept saying, "Can you believe he did? Can you believe? Can you believe?" And I remember saying, "Yes, I can." Especially after all you've told me about him. What I can't believe is that you can't believe it. She actually started laughing because she was like, eh, good point, fair points. Like, yeah, you know, because like, just, yeah, don't be surprised when they act like themselves, right? They just, 
expect them. There they go. There they are acting like they're narky selves. Don't be surprised when they just act like themselves. So that's secret number five. So now we're going to go to secret number four. Secret number four is to be super specific about what it is that you want. So having a powerful mindset means what is it that you want? Do you want a certain outcome? Do you want a certain vision? What is the goal of, you know, the negotiation that you want? Is it, you know, a certain parenting plan? If it's a business negotiation, what is the outcome? Sometimes people forget that. It seems so simple, but people often forget. Is it, you know, if you're trying to end a business relationship, even if it's not a negotiation, what would be your perfect outcome? You know, is it to just go your own separate ways? Do you want to keep the business? Do you want to sell it? Do you want to dissolve it? What is it that you want? Do you want to keep the clients? Do you not? Be super specific. You know, write it down. Maybe write it down and post it everywhere. What goals do you want for your life, for your business, for your career? Watch my interview with Bob Proctor, by the way, which is amazing. It not only, by the way, changed lives of many people who watched that interview, it changed my own life. I, it was like one of my favorite interviews that I've absolutely ever done. So, Definitely go check that out. So that's secret number two. Be super specific. You are placing orders to the universe. By the way, you're placing orders to the universe even when you say things you don't necessarily want. So, you know, a lot of people say, I don't have enough money. 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 And I wonder why the universe doesn't bring them more money. You know, come on, be careful with what you say. Your words are very powerful. So if you want more money, be careful about what you say, okay? So that's secret number four. Secret number three is stay laser focused and put your emotions into it. See yourself in your outcome, feel it. Emotion plus motion equals your outcome. Like really, really feel it. You know, the movie, The Secret, they were talking about like feeling yourself in the car, like you're you feeling your, your hands on the steering wheel, you feel the hair, the, the wind in your hair, you know, like really feel it. You have to really feel like what it's like. And like, you can't just like write it down on a piece of paper. You got to really, really feel the emotion of what it is that you want. Because that, that vibrational energy is super, super important. All right, number two, watch your words. No weak language. No, no, I'm trying, I'm hoping, I might, maybe, I'm sorry. None of that. No weak language, people. Mm -mm -mm -mm. No, I'm doing, I am Yoda. We're Yoda here. Remember Yoda? Do or do not, there is no try. Yes, love Yoda. All right, and secret number one. Secret number one, this is my own little secret. This is for me as well as for you. I gotta do this myself too. 
Number one for myself is I don't leave my thoughts unsupervised. You know, at least for me, my thoughts cannot be left unsupervised. I don't know about you, but I have to like, if I'm, you know, walking the dog or, you know, doing things where my thoughts are left to their own devices, they don't usually go into the good neighborhoods. They usually end up in the bad neighborhoods. So I usually end up listening to podcasts, books, you know, audible books, things that will fill my head with the things that I I want. So, you know, control your input that helps to control your output. So that's what I do. Don't leave your thoughts unsupervised. That is secret number one to having a super powerful mindset. But then there's something that happened. I want to get to the narcissist in your life. (laughs) the sneaky narcissist. Yeah. As I kept getting promoted and and the CEO I worked for was a male, the president of the company was a male. However, the only other peer um, from the executive level that was a female was our CFO. And along the way, the higher I would rise, the less and less she would like me. Right at first, it was, oh, great, happy to have you here as you know, I entered into the executive team. But then I got promoted to executive vice president. Then I got promoted to chief revenue officer. And she and I were at the exact same level. And during that time, I thought to myself, I'm making her a little uncomfortable. I could sense that there was something that she liked less and less about me. And so I started somewhat turning a blind eye to her bad behavior, passive aggressive, not responding to emails, not including me in meetings I should be included in. And instead of really owning my voice and- Oh, and by the way, that is, her, so, that is so covert narcissist behavior. Passive aggressiveness is total covert narcissist behavior. And then when you call them out on uh, you know not including you on meetings, it's like, oh, I thought that I had included you. you know, And it's like that plausible, deniability. Oh, I didn't include you on that. Oh, I thought I did. You know, that sort of thing. Um, you know, where, where, you know, oh, and, and everybody else thinks that they're super nice. So you, you know, that they, at least the ones that I had dealt with. Oh yeah. Because this person definitely treated me differently than she treated other people. I mean, she would enter into a meeting and, and almost hug people and welcome them. And when I would walk in, she wouldn't even say hello or acknowledge my presence. And you know, over time, I started noticing it was chipping away at my confidence. I was becoming more of a B-rate version of myself because I felt so uncomfortable entering into these situations, even just a, a basic meeting. I always felt, you know, as the odd man out. However, I had really allowed that to happen by turning a blind eye to her behavior, not acknowledging it. And finally, one day I woke up and I just said, I've had enough of this, you know, in my own mind. I, 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 I want to just, I want to stop. I want to stop you there because that is so, so important. You're like, you're, you're saying stuff that's so, so important that I want to like mention because they condition you. And, and what you're saying is something that I want to make sure that I highlight for people that they understand is that conditioning. Because when you're a person who is an, an empathic person, a good person, a nice person, a normal person, a normal person, it's like you're not sure if you should say something. You're not sure if you should bring it up. And it's like, is it is it something that you should like 
call out? You know, is it something big enough that you should say, you know, you don't want to make waves. So you don't end up, you know, calling it out. And then you end up kind of almost being conditioned. And um, that person, oh, look, I got away with it. I got away with this. I got away with that. Mm -hmm. And then it happens again and again, like over time, and you end up sort of being conditioned. Um, You know, I I, I got away with not um, inviting her to this meeting. I got away with um, not including her on that email. I got away with this. And then, you know, over time, it was several things that happened, but you were conditioned over time. And that's what they end up doing is this conditioning um, where you were um, allowing this to happen but not like intentionally allowing it to happen. I mean, and that's what I want people to understand. It's like, you know, people feel bad about themselves or they feel like, you know, oh, how did I let this happen? How did it, you know, but it's like, because it's like these little things, it's like death by a thousand cuts, you know, it's like, do I, do I say something about that little thing? Oh, I wasn't included on this email. That seems so stupid, like to bring that up, you know, it's like, but then it's these little things over time. And so I just want to make sure that I highlight this because this is so typical, especially of a covert narcissist. And you know, it's interesting to that point, and thank you for highlighting that, is that I would also reach out to people around her to say, am I crazy? I would go to her brother who I had a better relationship with and say, am I crazy? I feel like she just keeps cutting me out. What's going on? Because I was looking for some validation or clarity. I truly felt so confused. I didn't want to think the worst, especially earlier on. The longer it went on, the more clear it became to me. But I would go to her brother and he would say, oh, you know her. She's 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 being annoying. She's probably jealous. Don't worry. You know women. He would say that too. So, you know women. Can't put two uh, women yes. together. And that's what they do. And they just sort of poo-poo it. And, and, and you think you're going crazy. And by the way, they end up, they're like watching you. They're just observing you all the time. They're watching you, watching you, watching you. And you they almost like want to become you. They almost like want to like, they have this like fixation and this obsession over you because they're so like, um, in, in some ways there's an admiration of you at the same time as at the same time that they're super jealous of you. That's the, you know, was my experience of it as well. Oh, it's so true. And you know, it's funny. I look back earlier in my career when I first came to the company, this woman was such an introvert, the typical CFO you would think of, you know, literally with a calculator running around, not speaking to anyone. I'm very much an extrovert leading a sales organization. So I'm forward facing. My job is to communicate and, and, and make people feel comfortable and create relationships. So we were complete opposites. However, during my tenure and as I would advance, I start noticing, wow, she's starting to give speeches at meetings. That's weird. She's dressing differently. That's weird. I didn't notice it until one day. I will never forget. She was winning some award. I was at the event. And I thought to myself, wow, I'm in awe of this woman. She is nothing. She doesn't look like, act like, speak like, dress like the person I met here 10 years ago. So I went up to her to ask. I said, listen, I've got to ask you a question. You've literally, like a flower, I've seen you when you were closed when I got here, open up and bloom before my very eyes. As another woman in business, and I was a little bit younger than her, I said, could you give me some advice? How can I follow along your path and try to learn in, in my way how I could you know, ex- expand myself? And she looked at me and said, 
I have no idea what you're talking about. And I remember that cocktail party. And then she said, but if I come up with any idea that something hits me, I'll let you know in the future. And I said, okay. And I remember leaving feeling bad about myself that evening and thinking, Heather, here you are thinking she did some special thing. She was just being herself, which left me feeling like I'm, I don't have that in within me. However, fast forward a couple of years, I was a lot smarter. I was more exposed to the world and I had friends who were running at a much higher level and they started telling me, I hired a publicist, Heather. I heard, hired a personal shopper. I hired a stylist. I hired a speaking coach. I hired an executive coach. My friends started telling me everything that this woman had been doing right before me, but she, instead of like my friends telling me they're doing it, she was trying to keep it a secret and make me think that I'm crazy. Yeah, so she didn't want you to have the secret sauce, of course, right? Yeah, she's not going to tell you because she doesn't want you to be better. But then what it's it's so obvious now. (laughs) Yeah, but then what did she end up doing? Well, I ended up um, in, you know, she was my peer. So there really wasn't anything she could do to me for a long time. Her father became ill and she became interim CEO, which means you're somewhat have the title, but you don't have all the power. She would still have to defer to the ultimate CEO chairman for approval on certain things. So she made my life a living hell, basically, in the next year. I launched a personal brand, um, forward-facing. You know, I, I made all my profiles public in an effort to try to attract talent to the company. I was always trying to recruit new and better people. That made my life easier. And so this was a strategy I implemented, which was brilliant at the time. You know, no one was doing it in my industry. I was attracting so much talent to the company. But at the same time, I was turning my light up, right? I was getting noticed. I started winning more awards. I started getting asked to speak on bigger stages and she hated that. And so she had the GC contact me, threatening me that you can't have a personal brand. It's a conflict of interest, read your contract. And I had already done my due diligence. I had hired an attorney. I knew that I had every right to do this and I would put whatever verbiage they wanted on. You know, I would address, it was just so ridiculous that I was every day, you know, being basically attacked for doing nothing wrong. So in the end, she ended up getting the ultimate title CEO when her father became ill enough. And when that happened, she fired me immediately. Fired you, like boom, like that. You had made so much money for the company and did all this stuff and yeah, just fired you. And then- Yeah, she she said there was no, no need for my position any longer. So the company no longer needed me. Yeah, and then- So how did you feel? Like, tell us about that. You went home and what? It was a horrible situation, but I was so sick of being bullied by this woman that on our last meeting where she actually did terminate me, I pulled the rug out from underneath her. I was so sick of being bullied in her really passive aggressive way that she tried to pressure me in the meeting to sign a non-disparaging agreement to protect herself and protect her company to ensure I never shared any of the things that I share now publicly. And I refused <laughs> it. I said, I said, I'm not interested in, and you know, you standing there trying to hold a paycheck over me doesn't work anymore. And to see her face change physically, the color, the complete dynamic in the room was changed instantaneously when I declined her offer and stood up with a lot of class and walked out without getting angry, without getting mad. Of course, I got to my car and I was bawling my eyes out because I didn't know how I was going to pay my bills. But in that moment, I took back all the confidence that I had lost over those years. And I felt so proud of myself. 
Yeah. And I want to point out to everybody, you just like sucked her leverage away. Like, cause she wanted that, like she wanted to see you squirm. She wanted to see, you know, that to hold that uh, power over you and you just sucked that away from her. And I love the fact that you didn't show that like emotion in front of her, which is something that I tell people all the time. Like, you know, get to your car, scream, cry, whatever, in your pillow, at home, in your shower, whatever. But in that moment, you know, you were like, don't give them that power in that moment, right? So you get home and I, I, you know, I heard you say like, you were like under a weighted blanket for like, whatever, you know, like you felt like the world had come to an end, but it turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to you. So talk about that. It did. The first thing once I came to and came out from the weighted blanket and crying was I decided no one knows I'm fired. She was keeping it a secret, right? And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to go promote that I've been fired, which a lot of people thought was crazy, told me not to do it. I checked in with the one voice that counts, your own. And to me, I said, for me, this is the right thing. I'm going to reframe getting fired. And I Googled who is successful that's been fired. Turns out J.K. Rowling, Oprah, Mark Cuban, Steve Jobs, the list goes on and on. I decided to see it as in good company, right? This is the level you want to roll at. You need to get fired. So I posted, I've just been fired. It's a really challenging situation. If I've ever helped you, I need to hear from you now. And I asked for help and that post went viral, landed me on the Elvis Duran show. And halfway through that interview, he said to me, obviously you're writing a book, Heather, but I wasn't, you know, I hadn't thought anything out yet. And so him believing in me and transferring that confidence in me led me to Google, how do you write a book? And all I have to do is sit down and write. And I knew I could do that. So uh, five months later, I launched Confidence Creator, which went, it went number one on the Amazon business biography list. And at the time, Donald Trump was president and it moved his book to number two. Um, so I trumped Trump for number one on the business biography list the awesome. first week my book came out. So awesome. <laughs> Coming up, more on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zong. Here's the challenge in dealing with them. They have no boundaries. I mean, they're going to go after you with everything. You know, there's this... um, They have this basically brain situation that they have going on where they're going to... You know, their their limbic system will take over and they don't think from rational. They don't think from reasonable. They only think from their emotional center of their brain. Are you struggling with a narcissist in your life, whether it's a family member, a friend, a business partner, a soon-to-be ex, whoever it is, are you ready to shift that power dynamic, but you're just feeling like you cannot win, like everybody is believing their lies, and you're just feeling like there's just no way that you can shift that power dynamic. I've got a brand new masterclass for you. I'm sharing all my secrets, and so that you can finally take back your power and break free from this hell emotionally, physically, and 
spiritually. I've never done this free masterclass before. Go to Break Free From Hell and sign up. Come be with me and get my secrets so that you can finally take back your power and break free. Break free from hell and let's do this. Take a listen to our archive where you can listen to more episodes that show you the path to how to negotiate your best life. Most people think of PTSD and the difference, by the way, is PTSD is when you have been exposed to one set of events in a quick manner. So PTSD is, you know, like a car accident or a war or something, you know, one thing, a complex PTSD, so complex post-traumatic stress disorder, means that you have been exposed to something continuously over a long period of time, and it actually causes a much greater effect over time on your body. And now we return to today's show. you keep your cool against narcissists? You know why it's so hard? You know why it's so hard? It is so hard because they want you to lose your cool. It is their mission. It is their life's purpose. You know how I just said it's my life's purpose to get your life back? It's their life purpose to have you lose your cool because you know why? They get narcissistic supply from it. It's their food. It's their lifeblood. It's their oxygen. It's what they feed off of. They need that supply. That's what they live for. They love it. They love it. Okay? They need that supply. And so when you lose your cool, they feed off of that. All right? So not only do they feed off of it, by the way, but when when you lose your cool, they get that supply, but they also they also want to be able to use it against you because they use your reaction in your emails and your texts and all those sorts of things as proof of look how crazy they are. Look at that. Or they take pictures or they take videos or or they show people, look at the crazy person. And they use it in court or they use it in mediations or they use it in the case or they or they tell people, they show the neighbors or they show the family, look at the crazy person. They only show that half of it. So there's so many reasons why you need to keep your cool against narcissists, not just for the other reason of Why give them the satisfaction? Why give them the supply that they want? Don't give it to them. And you know, the funny thing is that I knew this. I knew this even before I I knew all this about, about narcissists. When I was dealing with narcissists in my own life, somehow I knew not to feed into it, but I just knew not to try to do this. But I I I didn't know why, but I knew. So I use the acronym COOL words, and I like it because it's easy to remember, and I want you to use it too. The first word is COOL. Second word is words. So the letter C is the first letter for you to remember, and it's chill. Chill out, take a break. 
All right, so just chill out, take a break, go away from it. That means throw water in your face, walk away, take a break from the person, take a breath. That means I need to get away from this person. Get up, say, I need a break from this person. And they, they, that's the last thing they want you to do, by the way. They don't want you to take a break from them. That's when they, they come running after you. Don't let them do it. You know, just say, I need to take a break. I'll be back in, in a little bit. That's the first thing, C. Next one is O. Observe, observe their behavior, observe their behavior verbally to them, you know, without emotion, without judgment. I can see that you're upset. I can see that you're angry. What is it that's making you angry right now? Get them to verbalize it. Just take yourself out of it, like as if you're a third person just observing. You're not in it, you're just observing. So that's O, observing. So you're observing it to them. As if without emotion, without judgment. All right. That's the, the first O. The second O is you're observing as if you are a bystander. So the first O is you, you are uh, verbally observing it to them. I can see that you're upset. I can see that you are angry. The second O is you are observing as if you are a bystander. Okay. You don't feel like you need to get into it. You're just like dodgeball. Like the dodge, the ball is just going past you and it's it hit the wall. You don't need to say anything. You don't need to do anything. You don't need to take it personally. And, you know, judge. Lynn Toller talked about this in my video, which was really a great interview that I did with her. And you can definitely check that out. It's on this channel. And it was you know, all about divorcing a narcissist in court. And you definitely want to check out that interview that we did. And then L is just let it go by you. You just let the words go by you. You're just letting them, you're just stepping aside. You're just letting the words go by you. So again, you're just observing. You're just observing the words. You're observing them behavior. You're observing them to them. You're you're just letting this all happen. Observing, letting it go by. You're a third person. You're taking yourself out of the situation. Okay. So that is the word cool. And then the last part of it is words. This is my favorite part of it. This is a secret I actually used to use myself when I was a trial lawyer. I would actually write down certain words or I would keep certain words in my head. These are power words that become your mantra. These are power words that help you remember how you're going to be powerful. So, you know, what is your word of the day? Is it power? Is it strength? Is it leverage? Is it resilience? Is it confidence? You know, what is your word of the day? What is the word that's going to keep you grounded for today? Is it control? In the book, Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill talks about the power of auto suggestion as a way of reprogramming your brain or your neuronal patterns. Joe Dispenza talks about it. You know, a lot of people have talked about this power of reprogramming your brain. And you can actually do this. And so if you know that you are going to be 
triggered by this person. You know you're going to meet with them. Maybe it's a mediation or you you know you're going to have this particular conversation. Maybe there's an agenda and you're worried that you're going to be triggered by them and you're really worried that you're going to keep your cool. You know, have this particular word. Maybe it's a symbol that you have on your paper. Maybe it's a star or maybe just like a moon or something, something that just means nothing to anybody else but you. But you know, when you look at it, it, it's just going to remind you of that word that is going to say, you're going to say to yourself, power, strength, courage, resilience, what confidence, whatever you need to be reminded. Oh, that's right. My badass self has shown up over here. That's who's sitting here. The elite version of myself is sitting over here. No one else, no weak ass version of myself. I left that person outside the door. That person isn't welcome here. That person is not sitting in the room. No one else but the powerful version of myself is sitting in this room right now, today, that no one else is invited to sit here in this room today. No one else but the whole complete version of myself is sitting in this room today, period. And you stay in that mindset no matter what so that you know that you can get through it. And if you need to set a time limit when you're having that conversation with that person, then set a time limit so that you know, like, I'm only going to be in here for an hour and that's it. And then I'm done. So remember cool words when you show up, when when those emotions get red hot, when you're having that conversation so that, you know, you can just look at that person You're going to say, I'm not going to be triggered by this person. No matter what you say, I'm not giving you control. I'm not giving you control over me. I'm not giving you control over my emotions. I'm not allowing you to trigger me because I know if if you do, that you are going to have something that you can use against me. And remember that that's what narcissists want to be able to do. They want to be able to control you. They want to be able to trigger you. So I want you to write down in the comments right now, I keep my cool. I keep my cool. I know how to keep my cool, right? Because you will not give them that power. You're not giving them that satisfaction. You're not giving them that opportunity to take that from you. I mean, anytime you say, you know, he makes me feel or she makes me feel, you're you're giving them that power. Don't give them that power. You know, don't give them the opportunity to allow that. You have the power to be in control of your emotions. But it, it, you know, it does, um, I think that the idea of watching your tone becomes critical. And, you know, listen, I know no, no one can ever stop an emotional state. Emotions are natural. You never want to keep them. You never want to bottle them up. But you've got to learn how to channel them. And watching tone becomes critical. Because it, ironically, it's almost like a way a dog can hear frequencies the rest of us can't hear. Narcissists can hear tone inflections the rest of us can't. But, you know, excuse me? Excuse, and you're like, excuse me, what are they saying? But it can be, it can be a, 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 
a blink of an eye. It can be the, the tiny bit of tone. It could be your body language at a moment. They're going to pick up on it. And so you almost need to train yourself in what I call sort of a hostage negotiator voice, which is very calm, very tempered, very consistent. But some of them will also take umbrage at that. And I, I've had many oh, of my do, clients, of when they go back and they start dealing with the narcissist with the tools I've given them, saying, oh, so you're better than me now? And it's interesting that they go there because they realize now they're being outplayed. And so right. that's what's happening. And that's happening what you just to, say, I don't think yeah. that I'm better than you. You just, yes, you yes. just respond. Mm-hmm. And, and the way I um, usually phrase it is you just look at it as if you're looking at a two-year-old having mm-hmm. a temper tantrum mm-hmm. on the floor. You don't mm-hmm. feel like going down there and having a temper tantrum right, with right, them. Right. You're just observing. Mm-hmm. It. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you're just kind of just observing mm-hmm. the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> be prepared that they're going to um, obstruct. At every at every possible angle, so they're they're not going to give you the discovery that you ask for. Yep. They're going to make you work for every single bank mm-hmm. statement, every single piece of information, um, anything that they think that you want. Mm-hmm. That's what you're not going to get. Mm-hmm. So you know, going back to the manipulate the manipulator. Mm-hmm. Um, you just have to act like the thing that means the most to you. You don't care about the thing that, mm-hmm, <laughs> you know, when mm-hmm, you're putting mm-hmm. together your entire global package of what you want, um, be, you know, decide what you want, then ask for a hell of a lot more than that mm-hmm. and be prepared for what mm-hmm. you're going to yeah give away. Yeah. And then when you give that away, act like it was the worst possible thing, like you're cutting off your mm-hmm. arm. Yes, yes, um, yes, yes, yes. You know, yes. if you think you're going to get the satisfaction that the person knows that you got what you wanted yep. and you, you're never going to settle, it's never going to happen. Well, and one of the best tales I have about this, I remember working a malignant narcissistic father, you know, really, really beaten down mother. They had many children and um, it was a horrific, horrific divorce. And um, I remember there was that time I said, just, you know, she she had texted me and she said, listen, here's the deal. And it was basically, the long story short was she wanted the children on a particular weekend very much because of a family event. It was supposed to be her weekend, but he he had sort of browbeaten her into, you know, dividing the weekend up in an odd way that would throw off, throw off this family event. And I said to her, and so he insisted, no, I'm entitled to this time until this time. Bully, 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 entitled, entitled, entitled. And I said to her, what you've got to do is text him and say, wonderful. This works out so great for me because my girlfriends are having like this big party and we're all going out to this new wine bar. So the timing is great. I'm so glad you have a good weekend. Five minutes. <laughs> Five minutes. I, I can't. I can't take them. What are you trying, trying to take advantage of me? And and I was like. And then she got the kids, and she had yeah. a wonderful family event. So yeah. you have got to. There's again, like I said, narcissistic people are like knock knock jokes. They 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 they're silly, and you laugh at them, kind of silly, but they're ridiculous. And it's so. It was so easy to see what he was trying to do, but she, she knew his Achilles heel. He couldn't stand the idea that she was ever having fun. Yeah, I said so. Let him think that what him having the kids means she's gonna have fun. Done. Brilliant. And then she and she's used that gambit more than yeah. once. And believe it or not, homie never figured it out. So it yeah. worked out great. <laughs> well, so, and another thing you could do is like you know massage their ego and say, oh, you know, mm-hmm. my family will, will realize what a great dad you mm-hmm. are. Everybody thinks so highly of you, and and you know, so you know if you massage that ego a little mm-hmm. bit, and they're they're doing it because now they're going to get credit for it yep. somehow mm-hmm. by looking mm-hmm. like amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, that's another way yeah, that absolutely. you could potentially get it done absolutely. too. You, another thing you've spoken about is this idea of entitlement and using the court system as their sort of their, almost like their personal hammer mm-hmm. to punish other people. Yeah. So 
they'll file any motion they possibly can dream up. Mm. So the the you know it's it actually takes a lot more courage to sit down and have a real conversation with a person. Of course, because then you actually have to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You actually you know have to be prepared to give up stuff mm-hmm. and and things like that. So, but what narcissists will do is they'll use the system as a sword. Mm-hmm. So every possible motion they can dream up. The minute your discovery is one day late, they're filing a motion to compel. Um, they're filing um, uh, custody mm-hmm. evaluations. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. filing uh, vocational evaluations. Mm-hmm. They're they're going to file a motion for exclusive occupancy. They're going to uh, threaten to depose everyone at your office. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going mm-hmm. to um, threaten to yeah. bring your parents into court. Yes. To yes. you know your, your elderly mother who's on yeah. oxygen. Yeah. Yeah. I'm deposing her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know no no nothing is left un. No. No, touched on, not. you know, and, and there's no, um, there's not, there's no, um, thing that I'm not going to go. Mm-hmm. There's no bar that's mm-hmm. so low that I won't cross mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, so they, they're sort of equal opportunity harassers at that point. And right. I think a lot of people get almost bowled over in the shock of it all right. of like, yeah, you're, you're deposing who you're sending this. I, I remember even getting once caught in the crosshairs of a very, very toxic divorce and watching the ex, like he, or the now, now ex, literally he was sending subpoenas. He was having people served all over town and he sadly was an attorney too. So like, and he had limitless money. So he was subpoenaing people all over Los Angeles, all over the country, you know, and it was, you know, to me, it was a grotesque. First of all, I was like, what attorney was willing to sign up to represent oh, this mess? Don't take the money. You know? Believe me. So, I mean, you can always find somebody to take was, the money. I mean, my dad used to say the percentage of idiots per population is the same wherever you go. So, so you'll always find a lawyer that will take the money. Yep. Um, and, 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 you know, people will say, well, how can their lawyer believe them? How can they be saying this stuff? How, why isn't their lawyer mm-hmm. telling them? Well, their lawyer is a paid mouthpiece. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I mean, that's mm-hmm. what they're, they're there mm-hmm. to do. I mm-hmm. mean, there's, there's lawyers who have ethics and, mm-hmm. and who aren't willing to go certain places, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of lawyers that mm-hmm. don't have that. So, you know, one of the things you had talked about, and I think this is one that often gets lost, is having an attorney who gets narcissism. I know when people come to me and say, da da da, divorce, legal question, I'm like, not my area, but you need to make sure your attorney gets this. They've gone so far, my wise clients have put me on the phone with their attorney. And I'm like, do you get this? Mm-hmm. And then I'll have the client in the room with me so we can lock eyes and I'll usually say, let this attorney go, they don't get it. And so I will, I will grill the attorney to make sure they actually understand what this personality pattern is. Mm -hmm. And if they don't seem to be getting it, like it's just not gonna work. So what kinds of questions would you advise someone, you're an attorney, to ask an attorney to see, do they get this? Uh, Well, I I think questions you can ask, yeah, are how many people have you dealt with Mm -hmm. that have narcissism or how many people have you represented Mm -hmm. or, you know, Mm -hmm. and what has been the outcomes and things like that. Mm -hmm. Yes, you can ask those kinds of questions. But I think more so it's it's going to be a gut feeling and it's going to be feel. Like if you are telling the person what your experience has been, how you, mm-hmm. you know, how this person has victimized you, how they act, mm-hmm. even if they don't use the word narcissism, mm-hmm. although a lot of people do nowadays, but mm-hmm. e- even so, even if the person just says these are the types mm-hmm. of things that they're doing, you know, it should tip the attorney off as to the type of personality that they're dealing with and okay these are the things that we're going to need to do and you know and I talk about 
having a strategy, creating leverage, mm-hmm. being, you know, anticipating. Be, I use the, the term slay. Mm-hmm. So you, know, mm-hmm. you want to slay your negotiation. Mm-hmm. So strategy, leverage, anticipate, meaning you need to always mm-hmm. be at least mm-hmm. two steps ahead of mm-hmm. what the narcissist is, mm-hmm. is and anticipating what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. And then focusing on you is, is the mm-hmm. why. You know, your mindset, not being a victim, you know, get out of that victim mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, as long as you say he makes me feel like... Yeah. Um, you know, uh, this is what's being done to me. I can never get what I want. Mm-hmm. Um, all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Or this person is uh, always charms everyone. Mm-hmm. Is smarter than everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you're still you're still nipping the Kool Aid then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So um, just talking to mm-hmm. the, that attorney and make sure you have an attorney that you feel like you have mm-hmm. a rapport with because. Mm-hmm. You have to put your entire life in this person's hands. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I tell people all the time, if you don't think that I'm the one for you, there are plenty of other fish in the sea. I've got plenty to do. And I tell clients the same exact thing. Yeah, so... But you, I mean, and in this, as you know, as we're coming sort of the end of our time, there's two last things that I I really want to make sure people hear. You've been talking about leverage. You use that word a lot, mm-hmm. especially in this issue of negotiating with a yep. narcissist, and particularly in a divorce. Yeah. What does that like? What does that really mean? What does that look like? So leverage to me is in, in the context of negotiating mm-hmm. with a narcissist is the motivation, the incentive that you're going to give that that narcissist to come to the table and have a conversation mm-hmm. with you, mm-hmm. and you know, figuring out what their pain points are, figuring out what their motivation is. Mm-hmm. Is it looking as good as possible? Is is it saving their money? Is it what? What's their real motivation mm-hmm. in all of this? Mm-hmm. Is it not letting the world know that they have herpes because they're a, a doctor in the community, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I've had mm-hmm. that situation? What What's going to be the thing that's going to motivate them to come to the table? Mm-hmm. And it may be stuff that you gather along the way. It may be a text message here. It may be an inconsistency there. It may mm-hmm. be a lie that they told under deposition and now you have proof that it was a lie mm-hmm. things like that i mean it, okay. it may be you know you're building a wall around this person to the extent that by the time you get to actually have a conversation about how to resolve the case mm-hmm. they feel completely boxed in and one thing that you should know is that the narcissist acts the worst Right before they're ready to give in. Oh, absolutely. Uh, no, that that that's you know, and I, I try to reassure my clients on that. Now, obviously, in in this idea of creating leverage, that's something that typically happens with an attorney. When I work with my clients, I talk about something called their true north. Mm-hmm. And I say, your true north can be anything. For some people, their true north is literally their freedom. For some people, their true north is time with their children. Mm-hmm. For other people, you know, their, their true north is getting an apology. Like, it, it's going to be different depending on the person. And for us, a lot of the work is around that. Because what it does is it takes some of the, the wind out of the sails of how toxic this experience is. I said, once you can focus on that fixed point on the horizon or in the sky, then you know what you're navigating to. And it makes all of this make sense. We know that suffering can be endurable if you can find meaning and purpose in it and say, you know what? I am, I am enduring this. I am doing these things, gaining leverage, working with my attorney, but my true north is my kids. And like, listen, narcissistic divorces 
always do a number on kids. I'm not even going to let anyone retain the naive assumption that this divorce is, does not do a number on kids. Well, I mean, even having a narcissistic parent doesn't. It doesn't number on a kid. Whether you exactly so either way, your poor kid is already facing a difficult journey, right. and that's something I, I take on in my on my content and what happens those different pathways. But it's a you know this this is a people say you know what I know this experience is going to do a number on my kids, so I'm really focused on making this as non-contentious as possible, yes, getting the leverage, but also creating as calm and serene a space for these kids in the midst of the storm for them to, to stay sane. So it's like that balancing act between what I'm doing in my office and what Rebecca's doing in her office to get you to that sane ending for you and whoever else is being affected by this process. And I just want to make one last mm-hmm. point before we wrap up here, and that is that, and I've made this point before, but it's worth repeating, and that is that just because you want leverage doesn't mean that 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 means you're a fighter that that means you're being difficult that that means you're ramping it up or whatever Mm -hmm. the the paradox is that if you don't want to fight if you want the case to settle amicably, you have to have leverage against the Bingo. narcissist yeah. or you won't be able to, 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 to do that. And I think that's, that's, that's such an important point. And I'm really glad Rebecca made that point because this idea that seeking out leverage is not contentious. It may be the only path to something that even resembles an amicable ending to this. So I think that that's, it's finding that balance. Again, anyone who's been through one of these relationships has been through a lot of contention for a long time. It's a slow soul death to be in one of these relationships. Mm So, you know, um, there is, again, we could talk probably for hours about this idea of, of, um, of, uh, about this idea of how to litigate with a narcissist. Apparently the punchline to this joke is, it's not easy. And anyone could, would know that if they've even gotten into one argument with a narcissistic individual. So any parting words? Uh, just, you know, be ready for the fight of your life, mm-hmm. but just, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. be patient and persevere. Yeah, 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 I think that's it. And again, that's where it always comes back to my central tenets, realistic expectations, radical acceptance. Once you get there and you have to remind yourself that it becomes daily practice multiple times a day, write it, write it on the landing screen of your phone if you need to, but that, okay, He's behaving foolishly. She's behaving erratically. Of course she is. And the sun rose in the east this morning. What's the difference between dealing with a narcissist and and dealing with an asshole? You can spot an asshole. You stay away from them. Narcissists are charming. They like know how to make you love them at the beginning. You know, an asshole, you'd be like, I'm not going near that person. You don't recognize the narcissist until you're like already in it. You know, when I was growing up, there was some something called the Roach Motel. You know, like roaches would come on in. Ooh, well, this looks pretty good. And then they'd be like stuck in there. Oof. They, they, like their tagline used to be like, roaches go in, but they can't get out or something like that. That's how it, like, it feels like with, with narcissists, right? You know, you're stuck in there once you're in there. It's like this web and then they're starting to suck all the life out of you. Like it kind of feels like that, except unless you have the sleigh method. Yes, that should be our new tagline. Yes, unless you have the sleigh method, then you can get out of the Roach Motel, right? This is how you get out, right? So this is how you have that upper hand in dealing with the narcissist. Here's the challenge in dealing with them. They have no boundaries. I mean, they're going to go after you with everything, 
you know, there's this, um, and have this basically rain situation that they have going on where they're going to, you, you know, their, their limbic system will take over and they don't think from rational. They don't think from reasonable. They only think from their emotional center of their brain. You know, they have this phenomenon called splitting where they're now only thinking from, you know, I have to get this person. I have to do what I need to do in order to take this person down, in order to get them, in order to um, have, you know, because with the narcissist, it's black or white. For them, and they have a there's a phenomenon called splitting, and so for them, you you know the slightest thing can trigger them, and once they've been triggered, then you know they are now feeling like you're against them, and once you're against them, then. That that perceived threat takes over, and now you're in that discard phase, and now you become public enemy number one. And so during that time, that narcissistic injury has been triggered, and you know they're afraid of that humiliation, that shame, that being exposed. Their reaction can almost be disproportionate to the situation. So they're going to start going after you by filing false pleadings, filing motions, right? Doing all sorts of things, lining up their flying monkeys and doing all sorts of things that might not seem rational. And that limbic system is now taking over what normally might be reasonable cognitive functions, propelling them into an emotional state that overrides any sort of rational response. And honestly, during that period of time, they will do things that often is self-inflicted harm. Frankly, they meaning that it adversely affects themselves. So, you know, they will take themselves down to take you down. I mean, I've seen them burn their own businesses to the ground to not pay alimony or whatever because they're not thinking clearly. They're only thinking in terms of let me do what I need to do to inflict pain upon the other person. And so when you're dealing with that type of a person, you know, you have to deal with this type of a person in a way that's different than you are with a regular, rational, reasonable person in negotiations. All right. So negotiating with a narcissist is a whole different animal than negotiating with a rational, reasonable person who says, you know what? Let's not have to pay attorney's fees. And let's not, let's, let's think about how we can get to the end of the road here in a rational, reasonable way. You have to recognize that they're going to be gaslighting. They're going to be playing the victim. They're going to be intimidating, all that sort of thing. 
So you have to set clear boundaries right from the beginning. You can't, you can't fall for this trap that they're going to be, you know, trying to, you know, nicely collaborate with you at the beginning. You have to avoid emotional reactions because if you do, they're going to use that against you. Any kind of emotional reaction they will definitely be using against you. I would say they, they, they set traps, they go fishing and they, they say things that they know are going to trigger you. You know, so they purposely say things they know are going to trigger you. So they, they know that if being careful with money is really, really important to you, you know, they're going to say that you're terrible with money. That's the first thing that they're going to say because they know that you're going to come blazing out of your, you know, saddle with what are you saying? You know that I'm great with money, you know, and there they have you. So never defend yourself. That's one thing that I say all the time. Never defend yourself. Never defend yourself. Because the minute you start defending yourself, now you're in it. Now you're done. You're in. You're in the mud. You're down. You know, have a plan where you go. You know, you have a scope. You have an agenda. You have a time limit. So that's one thing you're going to fluff for favor, vomit later, where you can actually go and fluff up their ego a little bit to, to get a little something that you give them a little something that they want to get a little something that you want, which is, you know, I, I call ethically manipulating the manipulator. It's a strategy. It's a strategy, right? So strategies for effective communication, you know, staying focused on your topic, know what you want ahead of time. You know, uh, and I would say, make sure you have your, what, what I call choke point ahead of time before you walk into the room. Some people call it a vomit point, but you know, know what you're, you want ahead of time. Know what your risk analysis is, you know, using I statements instead of you statements, you know, things like that. Making sure that you take time to breathe, what I call cool words, you know, so that you can, you know, chill out a little bit if you need to, or observe um, their behavior, observe what's going on in the room, you know, uh, let it go by you, uh, you know, just let their words go by you. Just watch them go by. Like I was saying, like dodgeball. Oh, I see that that just went by. I see you just said that. That's nice. You know, you just don't, you don't do anything about it. Because you just have to start seeing things like it's a like they're a toddler in the room, right? And then words are like just being positive, you know, have a positive affirmation, a positive word. So, you know, having strategies so that you can actually start to feel more positive. So just some things that you can do to gain upper hand an upper hand in dealing with them. Because if you don't have these strategies, you will be sunk. And today we are diving into a topic that is near and dear to my heart, negotiating your best life. It's the name of my podcast. It's the what I live and breathe. 
Because sometimes I really feel like the very first negotiation that you have to do is with your own self, with your own mind, for your own self-worth in the morning, when you wake up in the morning. We all sometimes feel like life isn't fair and you don't get the life that you deserve and you feel like you get taken advantage of and it's time to stand in your authentic power, reclaim your power, set boundaries and negotiate for the life that you deserve. So stick around if that describes you. This is going to be a transformative ride. If you've ever felt like you're constantly being taken advantage of, whether it's in your personal relationships, your personal life, you're not alone. Maybe it's your professional life. I know I have. And I've been a lawyer for a really long time and I teach people how to negotiate and it still happens to me sometimes, especially I think as women. But even if you're a guy and you're watching this, it happens because, you know, you feel like you want to be the good person. You want to be the nice person. You sometimes think, you know what? Do I speak up? Do I not? Did that just actually happen to me? It happens. So I want to explore some practical strategies that you can employ to put an end to this pattern so that you can keep yourself empowered and stay in control of your life, not have these leaky boundaries. I call leaky boundaries, right? I want to make sure that you have power in your hands. All right. So the first step in stopping being taken advantage of, step number one, is recognizing the signs that you might be taken advantage of. So let's walk through some common behaviors that are situations where manipulation is often occurring from subtle guilt trips to overt exploitation. Understanding these signs is critical in breaking free from the cycle. Let's look at some real life signs that are crystal clear. First of all, somebody is trying to make you feel guilty. It's Thanksgiving. You decide you want to go to somebody else's house on Thanksgiving and a person is saying, no, you know, oh, I'm going to be all alone. And I guess I'll just be here by myself. That is a sign of manipulation. That is a sign that somebody's trying to make you feel guilty. You need to do what you need to do for yourself. But even in a professional situation, you know, I just literally had a conversation with one of my dearest friends. She owns a business. One of her employees was saying, you know, how come you're not giving me more of a raise? This person just literally got a 20% raise last year. This person was saying to her, you don't value me. Obviously, you don't think highly enough of me. Trying to lay on the guilt trip. This person who I was talking to owns this company and was being made to feel guilty by this employee. That is something where she was going to be being taken advantage of because this employee is trying to make her feel guilty using guilt. I was saying to her, use a rubric. This is what it is to get a raise. You don't collapse whether or not I like you, whether or not I value you. I mean, I remember I had a situation where I had an employee who was saying the same kinds of things to me. Well, I have to use all my PTO because, you know, my kids are sick. That's not really fair because nobody else has kids. 
And so they get to use their PTO for vacations. How is that my problem? Somebody is trying to make you feel guilty for something. That is a sign of manipulation to overt exploitation. Somebody's actually just using you. Somebody's literally just every single time you're around them, they are having you give them rides or having you do something for them and there's nothing in return. You know, my husband and I started to realize that we had some friends that every single time we were around them, they were inviting themselves over to our house. They were inviting themselves to join birthday celebrations or whatever. They were never inviting themselves or inviting us over to their house. We've literally never even seen the inside of of where they live. It's just a strange situation. You know, it's just a using kind of overt exploitation situation. Where does manipulation occur? What's a using situation? How do you break that cycle? So those are some real life examples of where you might be being used. Those are sort of innocuous in some ways, but there can be some very much more toxic situations where you can actually be being manipulated and used in a much more toxic way. Somebody's making you spend money. Somebody's making you pay for a lot of things or even much more deep than that. I want you to check out my link below for some phrases to help you disarm narcissists. You can get that at disarmthenarc.com. You can use it almost like a toolkit to help you disarm narcissists. If you're dealing with a narcissist and you don't know what to say in emails and text messages, or even if you're having a conversation with a narcissist, you can use that to help you navigate conversations with narcissists. All right, so let's dive deeper into strategies to stop being taken advantage of with narcissists. The next thing that you can do is set boundaries, set boundaries. What I basically say to do is put a invisible shield down around you and you just basically take these baby steps. You're kind of, I say, step one, don't run. Step two, make a U-turn. Step three, break free. Because you're basically course correcting. You have to kind of almost turn the ship around 180 degrees, right? And so the first thing you do when you're setting a boundary is that step one, don't run. And you're you're saying, I am no longer going to be retreating. I'm going to stay in place and I'm putting this invisible shield down around me. I'm going to start looking at you as if you are a toddler having a tantrum on the floor. And I'm going to start observing your behavior to you. Just say, you know, I can see that you're upset. I I say, pretend like you're reporting the news. And then I say, never jade, never jade, even though I love jade. I say, never jade. You know what jade stands for? Never justify, argue, defend, or explain. So you're just going to pretend like you're reporting the news and you just observe their behavior to them. Just the facts, just the facts. So you just say, no, I can see that you're upset. I can see that you're angry, but we can have this conversation later. Or you can say things like, this approach is not working for me. 
They're just setting boundaries. Setting boundaries is a really, really powerful tool in breaking the cycle of being taken advantage of. I just think it's really, really important for you to start healing, for you to start saying, I'm taking control. It's, it's, it's all also like a mental thing. Like you are mentally making a choice to say, you know what? This is a line in the sand. This is today. I am making a decision that this is no longer going to be the way it was yesterday. And your boundaries are your fortress. It's, it's you transforming your relationship with this person and with yourself and you reclaiming your power. That boundary is remains strong. And the next thing is the art of saying no. No is a really beautiful skill and it can, it, it can change your life. And really get comfortable with it's okay if somebody is, is upset because it really has nothing to do with you. Somebody else's triggers are not your responsibility. It's on them. Not everybody's going to like you. That's okay. What happens is we think that we don't want people to be mad at us or we don't want people to be upset or whatever. But what happens is it's either going to be that we're going to be resentful and upset and angry with ourselves or they're going to, we think that we are delaying something. It doesn't end up well. It never ends up well when we try to go along to get along. It just doesn't. It always ends up worse in the long run. It just does. It's really better to just address it right away. Just get into the habit of the art of saying no. Not everybody's going to like you anyway. Your people are your people. Stop trying to make not your people your people. Learn the art of saying no. That skill will change your life and be confident in it. Be confident in the art of saying no. It's not rejection. It's a declaration of self-worth. Embrace it and it will transform your interactions. The next one is negotiating for fairness. Negotiation is a powerful tool and it stops you from being taken advantage of. You just say, you know what? You're stepping into what you want, but you do it in integrity and you say, you know, this is what I want and you do it from a place of being really agnostic. You hold people to your word. You hold people to their word. And you say, you know, this is what we agreed upon. And then after you have a verbal agreement, make sure you always follow it up with, even if it's a text message or an email or whatever, here's what we discussed. Here's what we agreed upon. I am confirming this conversation. Please confirm that this is what we agreed on and get them to say, yes, this is what we agreed on. That way you have it in writing because you want to make sure that there is something that says this is what was uh, spoken about. It's a powerful tool from stopping others from taking advantage of you. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. I'm Rebecca Zung. Tune in next week for another edition of Negotiate Your Best Life. 
Remember, if you want more ways to slay and you want more ways to be supported, you can always join my membership at joinslay.com forward slash slay. You can always subscribe to my YouTube channel and you can always grab my free Crush My Negotiation prep worksheet at winmynegotiation.com. Remember that today is a great day to start negotiating your best life and I will definitely catch you in the next episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. Thanks so much for listening. 